Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast. My name is Eddie Vigil and I am your host. Uh, this is episode number 74 and wow. joining me today in New York City, as it, as it were, is... Aliyah Azamatashkinazi. Great. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me and, and a little bit of my dog probably in the frame right now. That's Phoebe. Yeah. Okay. Lay down. <laughs> so, uh, as as mentioned, I am currently um, in in the New York City area. My first time here, and uh, yeah, so it's we've we've yeah, it's lovely lovely to be in your space. Thanks for thanks for having me over. Of course, of course, yeah. Uh, yes, of course. Um, thanks for coming all the way here. Um, just for the welcome, show. Just for welcome, the <laughs> yeah, just for this. We flew you in. <laughs> Um, hope you enjoyed your flight. Um, and we uh, accommodated class. everything. Yes, of course. Uh, with your gear and the crew that is behind this camera right now. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real VIP treatment. Um, yeah. So, so jumping right in, uh, we have a lot to talk about today. We um, we are okay. You or a director in film. (laughs) What shall we, as a foundational kind of intro for for the audience, people that are less familiar with you, what, what, is there anything else we should add to that or experience under the belt or how do, how do, how do we best describe? Yeah, uh, right on. Um, I started as a journalist back in Moscow, Russia, where I went to school to, uh, at where I went to, uh, high school actually and since 12 years old I was working and writing I, I remember my first hundred dollars that I received was for this article in a magazine that I wrote when I was 12 and then I received the money and the editor was like I love this let's do more and I got hooked um, so since then I've been writing and being a journalist and kind of like reporting on some stuff doing some columns and a little interviews here and there and my world was the world based on fact in in that time for a couple of years for sure i was more interested in other people's stories and and stuff like this stuff that journalism is good for Mm -hmm. uh but at some point i got exposed to theater and i worked in theater based in my school based on um moscow performance art school and got hooked to you know dramaturgy and uh, playwriting and Chekhov of course uh, I was on stage myself and then I got a chance to direct youth youth um, like 13 to 17 actors and that was my first exposure to directing and uh, my dog is making a cameo here because she really likes study <laughs> that's Phoebe everyone hello, hello. 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 yes there's water no 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 uh uh-uh, uh 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 no all right, she's gonna she's gonna yeah, she'll figure it out. settle. She'll figure it out. Yes, she's gonna operate camera at some point probably. Uh, I don't like the shot, right? Yeah, she's like very anxious now. Like, what's going on? No, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, uh. We have to just ignore her. Uh, so, yeah. So I was in that world, in and around uh, narrative, I would say. And I did a couple of documentaries and got into like this 
United Nations, they had an art festival in Moscow for a couple of years and I got in and then they invited me to write and direct it for them on like on a bigger level and I was, uh, that was probably my first experience actually directing an event, which is very helpful when you, when you do stuff in movies too, because you have to be very organized and write and know like the talent and know how to like go from one to another and how it all shapes up to like a, con a concert kind of situation. And that was it. That was always exposed to stuff like this. But I think maybe only when I moved to America in 2014 and like went to film school, I started to think more about directing for film and directing narrative. Even though I went to film school as a screenwriter and a professional screenwriter, more established as a screenwriter, I would say, with like a couple of features sold or optioned and writing professionally now for, for, for other people or for myself. Not for other people, maybe I I should stop doing that and giving up my babies. But uh, directing is how um, the writing and being in film school is is my what was the first step to actually thinking about directing films. Great. That's a long story. It's a lot. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll dig into we'll dig into some of it. I guess I guess I want to. I guess I'm curious to almost go back to the beginning of that story for just a tiny bit sure. you mentioned you mentioned selling selling your first journalistic article a piece yeah it you, was a you, piece. Sold, you sold a piece as a 12 year old yeah <laughs> can you tell us i'm assuming you recall what it, what it, what it was what what was what was this first piece and how did it come to like I think, um, so I was this at this event and my dad is a professional athlete. He's a soccer player. Uh, so I was at this event, which was like almost like a charity um, soccer match. And I was attending just as a kid of my dad who was participating and playing for one of the teams. And um, just happened so that I was like all by myself sitting there watching and listening to people's conversations and as the event was happening because like they had a little bit of like um entertainment there before and after and in between it was very friendly it's not like a real soccer match but for 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 a bigger cause i think they were helping like uh, orphan kids and i was just listening and eavesdropping really and I was inspired at the end of the day when I came home by the people who attended it and, and how they were affected by soccer and by the game itself and how it like brings everyone together. And they just wrote like this think piece uh, of my experience and like um, here and there it was almost like, um, you know, a slice of life kind of situation when you go to an event and like uh, talk to other people, like what do they think about this, this and that and just general kind of like texture texture you know like when you when you talk about like how to direct and directing some some commercial stuff like it's always like texture b-roll and stuff so it was the texture and b-roll as a journalist basically just i had yeah, to put yeah. it on paper so i put it all on paper and i read it out loud to like my grandmother and my dad and they were like oh this is actually really good and at that point i was kind of interning and um being around that national newspaper, Russian national newspaper for, for teachers. And I just was thinking, okay, maybe I should show it to the editor. And I showed it to the editor and it's like, you know what, we actually have like a space for like, you know, a thousand uh, words in our like next, uh, you know, newspaper. And I'll take this. It's great. And I was like, wow, okay, well... 
so there you, we go. <laughs> so you went down to the newspaper play. Like you went, went you were there in person. And, yeah. And met the editor in person, handed this thing. Yes, over to I them. handed the thing, and I walked away, of course, and let them like read it. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it's not like they like, oh yeah, there's there's like a piece of paper with some text on it from a twelve year old. I'm sure I'm gonna pu- publish it. <laughs> so yeah, I just left it there, like on their table, and say, hey, I was with this, this, and that, maybe. Uh, it would be interesting and that's the way I got to be like a social reporter that was my thing actually like and then I started going to the events like this sport or not sport and kind of reporting from the place so it was always like what what kind of opinion can I offer like I'm not an expert journalist right there's different genres to journalism of course like there's interviews there's reporting like this there's like social stuff there's like talk shows and, and like tv journalism so for me it was always like people and stories and like kind of like being a fly on the wall and uh showing that so kind of uh, same I mean, thing i guess yeah i mean that is a, a that is a specific skill i mean seeing being able to regurgitate something that you've witnessed yourself and present it uh communicate it in a way where people want to consume it that is i mean that's <laughs> uh it's you know it's commercial directing uh, i guess <laughs> so yeah for sure commercials is very it's a very important skill but in in narrative as well you know i think it's as a director or even as a writer you have to be able to like step away from yourself and your own ego and what and the way you see the world and actually give other people chances because you know people want to connect and want to see themselves or have something that they can actually relate to on screen so it's all on a bigger level, of course, but uh, at the end of the day, we're looking for escape or like being seen. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's true. I bring it up all the time on the show. <laughs> yeah, no, being seen and being heard, and yeah, yeah that's, that's part of the part of the reason why we do that. Or part part of the reason people actually watch and, and so much content now. I think too. Yeah. Okay, now. I say maybe, all right. Let's let's talk directing. Let's just let's get let's get into the meat of it, and we can always kind of bounce back to different moments in in past and stuff if mm-hmm. if it if it comes yeah. up means to. But um, for starters, let's describe <laughs> let's describe for the people at home. Maybe maybe your description of what. You know, people that aren't in film, yeah. they 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 know certain certain roles on right. set. There's there's an actor. There's the actors that everybody sees. Everybody knows, yes. Yeah, and then and then and then who else? How does a movie? Go? Okay, so what is a? And then there's a director. So what? From your perspective, mm-hmm. in your experience, what is a? So what does a director do? I think the main thing, and for me, and I take it really seriously, and um, I know a lot of directors who wouldn't even think about that but i think director is the person who creates the universe based on a script hopefully a good script but there's not there's only so much you can put in the world and in the description and on the camera and how it and how everything cuts together on the script um usually the story has to be covered and the dialogue obviously but um, the director is the person who interprets that script into the world and makes a universe. So for me, it's knowing production designs, knowing what, what people are wearing as costumes, what kind of music is playing on the background, what are the actors saying, and how do they behave in certain situations, how do they react, react 
to each other and or when they are alone. So when I read the script, either it's mine or not, um, I just take a step back and try to visualize and see and hear the people talking and see the story progressing. So it's basically like giving birth to a universe for me. And uh, I know it might sound pretentious, but but otherwise, why are you there? You know, like a lot of people think that directors are there for actors. I don't think it's true. Like in it, it's the only thing that you do. Yes, you direct actors and yes you bring up the performances and yes you have to know what you're doing and how to direct specific actors and like each one can be very different in the way you describe what you want how clear you are with your vision and how like maybe you have to be more gentle with some or more authoritative with the other Um, it's all part of the skill but it's not the only skill and it's not the only thing you actually do on set before you arrive on that set before you have that privilege to actually shoot you have to prepare so much and create that world already in your head and actors are just part of a very big puzzle you know so that's that's what directors do i think create create worlds that's nicely said (laughs) okay i'm just okay i'm trying to think of how to how to jump into this because because that's a lot Mm -hmm. uh creating a world you know it's a lot of work um and i'm also thinking about how like what your what your preference is too a little bit on maybe maybe approach to like do you like even just like how writing is tied to directing because you mm-hmm. mentioned that you have a writing background mm-hmm. when you direct is there an expectation for yourself that you also need to have a hand on the wheel as a writer too or is that like the preference or does it, it either way like i don't know just writing writing into directing how does that flow for you i think i mean and i've been told that many times that um if i if I'm workshopping a script that I would like to direct, I'm aggressive, aggressively directing on page just for my own sake and for my cinematographer's sake and for my producers and actors' sake. Mm-hmm. I would add my vision onto the page. Well, first couple of scripts that I actually sold were for other directors and I was only a baby writer then and with no directing aspirations. I'm talking five, six years ago. And... Those scripts are very different, very bare. Um, I would put stuff on, but then I would take it out, not to help another director, honestly, uh, give them my vision. And like, they should interpret that. Like I gave them a good story already, but they should interpret and actually work. Um, But the ones that I'm writing for myself, I actually put stuff like we, we move around the room see this and this and that and I will add editing cut points I would add like pre-lab from this scene or we hear I would say we hear this this and that and in parentheticals I would say like some ambiguous lines I would add how they do that why they do that like some some of my lines are very poetic and I would say his heart breaks or or ouch sometimes like the action line is ouch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um and that's a little help that actors are actually looking for you know like they're like instead of them coming with thousands of questions when they read the script hopefully they will have a good idea of like what they're going through and what the character is about uh but i'll give you another example right now i'm, I'm preparing a script that i'm gonna direct but i didn't write and it's 
an amazing experience because I actually get a chance to bounce my ideas with the actual writer who's going to get a credit for writing that that script and I'm going to direct and be an interpreter I'm not even going to try or do like co-writing or anything I touched the script I did my director's pass but it's part of my job as a director and the writer is the writer who came up with the idea so they get the full credit uh, but it's a very collaborative process of course and a, it's just different of like from 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 the role that I'm taking. If I'm directing an episode of TV, obviously the writers were there for the longer time, and they created the universes. And in TV, writer is more important than a director. Quotes uh, yeah, <laughs> more important. <laughs> no, I shouldn't even quote that. It's more important, right? Because like you writing an entire show, and director comes in for yeah. one episode, right? So it's different. It's different from what you like. What what is the uh, final goal? Do I want to write to direct myself? Do I want to write to give it to someone else? And do I want to just collaborate with the writer to to make it better? You know, it's so it's different. I I think. So on this on this specific latest project that you're talking about, mm-hmm. where you had the opportunity to uh, do like your your I'm, I don't know why I'm air quoting here <laughs> the director's pass yeah, yeah, on yeah. the script. Mm-hmm. How how much time did you have with the writer? Oh, I guess this is kind of specific, but um, to work, what does a director's pass look like in this sense? Like how how many how how in depth are you allowed to get with? It depends on the writer and how like how rigid they are with their story and how like precious they are with the script. This particular one is an, an amazing storyteller who's an actor in his own right and producer too. And so he understands really well like what goes on into production and that writing cheaper or writing smarter and stuff like this. So I come from that perspective too. Like how am I going to shoot this scene? I'd rather have this scene and this and this and that because visually it will like repeat and stuff like this. And if the writer is receptive to that... It's the biggest gift you can get as a director. But sometimes I know from from the stories that I've heard when the writers are very precious with the stuff that they put on. And that is the time when producers come in with the money and they option your script and they buy your silence as a writer. Mm-hmm. Like if you have yeah. the script optioned, it's out of your hands. And the producers go to directors, go to actors, maybe do the pass on their own. And it's out of your hands because you got paid. Or it's a sold script, say, like you went to production and the director keeps changing the script. You'll still get your credit. You'll still get your money. But it might be a very different script <laughs> by the point in production. Yeah, yeah which right? is... So that's professional, like, industry stuff, right, that you have to, like, leave with and be okay with and make peace with as a writer, as a professional screenwriter, um, which is the whole other thing to talk about, I think. But in this particular one... I think what we did, we I read the script, I really liked it. Um, I said yes because I was offered to direct it. The it ca- the the script came with an offer already, and I said yes, I like this. Let's talk about it. So we met with the with the writer and the actor who's attached already to this to the script, which is going to be incredible because I'm very happy with that actor and I'm lucky to nice. have him. And so we discussed the script and I gave them my ideas, and like I'm, I thought maybe structure here and there and stuff just like notes as a writer myself I was like I gave a writer's notes and also as a director I gave director's notes like I think like this should be here and there and then the writer did a pass after that big brainstorm session together and I read that and I was like it's almost there it's 80% there 
let me do a pass. So in my pass that I did, I've been sent like an FDX of the of the script that I could do in final draft. I just reshuffled a couple of scenes, and uh, I think it made it even better. And if, uh, uh, ha- happily, you know, I I have to say that everyone agrees with that. And we just had another session when we went page by page, like dialogue line by dialogue line, agreed on the structure and clarifying a little stuff here and there. And I think it's now the writer will take it away and do those little tweaks that we just discussed from page to page. And that would be the script, I think, that we will go in and start table reading and casting for even though i already have my cast in my mind so hopefully i'll just gonna get them and be done with it and shoot (laughs) you know um so so it's it's kind of the collaboration like this but i'm not gonna be one of the writers on the script because i don't care about that i actually like the idea of directing someone else's material because it's a good exercise i think okay you wrote your own uh, feature and directed it and produced it. How was that experience? So I've done I've done a couple of very I, <clears throat> yes feature number one yeah. I wrote myself, mm-hmm. produced myself, directed myself, edited myself. <laughs> one of those. Yes, yes, independent filmmaking. One <laughs> yes. And uh, I came out of that with like I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to solo write anymore. There's too I much. See. There's two, like I, I, I thrive in that collaborative mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back and forth brainstorm right, session right, right, environment. Right, right. If mm-hmm. I'm writing by myself, it can get overwhelming pretty quickly. And how do you know what works or not, right? You yeah. need that, that mirror. Yeah, it's like I know, like for instance, I'll know something's not working, mm-hmm. but I just need, I need to bounce. I just, we just gotta, let's just talk this thing right, out, please. Yes, and yes. Okay, we got solutions, let's implement them. So I know there's other ways to go about that too, but. I came out of that one thinking like I don't want to, I don't want to solo write anymore. <laughs> so on feature number two, I I found a I found a co-writer, mm-hmm. similar sensibilities on the humor side, right, and right. Uh, it was lovely. I don't know. Is that was that the question? <laughs> yeah. So you co-wrote that, but you still directed it. How yes. how how much did were you hands on, uh, the moment uh, it was happening? Like you knew that you're gonna direct us now. Um, we knew. Okay, so for feature, oh, we're talking about feature yeah, number the second, two. Yeah, the second one. So feature number two, it's called Chama Days. Mm-hmm. That one, I think maybe you told. So I don't know for the, I we just wrapped post on it. Mm-hmm. Congratulations! And yes, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you very much. <laughs> um, that one was a crazy scenario. Again, indie indie filmmaking one hundred and two. We'll yeah, call this right, one. right. We'll call that one. Um, the. The idea from the get-go was it was like a February. We're in February. Mm-hmm. We had dates to shoot in May. Okay. And we didn't have a story or a script. But you had the dates. So we had the dates. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we had the dates. We had assembled a crew and mm-hmm. a cast. Mm-hmm. Or like a, you know, the base, kind of like essentially like you were saying, like, I have cast in mind. Let's get the story. And then hopefully yeah, yeah. I can just cast those people. It'll be right, easy. Right, we, can get, right. we can shoot. Mm-hmm. So um yeah i was like i need help writing the script so i you know tapped into my buddy and we rushed we did the you know did the first draft, so so we, we we knew we knew that i was going to be i was going to be leaving los angeles to go to new mexico to mm-hmm. shoot this feature mm-hmm. 
and I was going to be directing. So from from even the beginning of the writing process, that was the plan. You had that in your mind. Mm -hmm. So it did ooze probably on a page here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So essentially it, it almost... It, it's a little bit more involved than it's, it's. It's not too dissimilar from the process you had just described, mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. uh, at, at a certain point when we got closer to production and I got busier with the production duties, I my writer brain turned turned less lesser amount, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. went more into director brain. Mm -hmm. and so then co-writer, his name is Bo Nelson. Mm -hmm. um, his, you know, he kind of the scales leaned a little bit on like, all right, now you. If there are any, it almost turned into the thing where it's like, all right, well, these are things that I think need to be tweaked and fixed. Yeah. Can you go and, and make these that. adjustments? Yes, yeah, yeah, we yeah. need to change the opening monologue. It's not mm -hmm. on theme. Now that we finished the movie, we got to adjust this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So those notes were kind of coming back to him while right. I was doing all the other stuff you and, have yeah. to do as a director. Yeah. Because you're building the world. But uh, <laughs> yeah, do you have do you have experience? Do you have you experienced experimented with co-writing right on yes of course well, the first script that i sold um was a co-written co script and um it was an incredible experience and i'm very collaborative so there was no like egan Walt in that but the the writer uh my co-writer came to me and he's not a writer he's not a screenwriter or a writer of fiction so he came up to me with an idea of like what if i would really like to do a project on this this and that right and um let's write a script on that so first year we were writing it um i was writing the script um i was touching the for the final first draft. year listen to listen huh? to these timelines for the, is, yes, isn't for that the first, wonderful the first, <laughs> the first year because it takes time man to yeah. from from first draft to actually selling it's years and years i would say so um i was writing and then um most of the time we would just meet or have a call and um, on the pages that I would deliver. And even with that, I think we spend at least four months outlining because I'm a big, big believer in outlining, beat sheeting and not actually writing pages. That's the heavy lifting. That's, yeah. that's kind of and like all of it. Exactly. And once you know it, then the pages just should come to you, you know, like it should never be a struggle. Uh, big secret uh, you know just like you have to almost be like dying to write I think at least in my process like I edge and edge and edge until like I'm overflowing with material and then I sit down and actually write um, so we outlined we came up with characters and all the important story beats that are like out of the window at this point I think like a lot of stuff that we initially thought of is not even on the page anymore uh, and which is fine and there's some scenes that were there from the the day one and they're still intact on the sold script which is incredible i think too that you like have this like gems sometimes that you come up with right away and then probably they are, those are the ones that carry the movie that carry like that story maybe that's why you actually wrote them for those specific scenes and it's actually very interesting to know now that i've like read it after a year of not touching it since the the cell i read it just you know to see like what was what was up like what did i actually write you know and I was like, oh, I remember that scene. I remember talking in the cafe about that. And now it's still here, you know. 
yeah. that's interesting so we we wrote that for a year i wrote that and uh, he contributed in incredibly to the research of that and then maybe like two years in he was like let me try the final draft thing let me learn that because he's like this so <laughs> wow that was severe man <laughs> but good for you like you probably feel better now uh, so so he touched a couple of uh, drafts himself did some revisions and then we would go back and forth and then we decided both that to keep the tone and keep the voice because i I still have very specific voice when I write, even if I write for someone else. Like, I, I allow myself a little bit of poetry in action lines, at least. Um, so, and once he was touching it, it was sounding very different. Like, a man was writing it, or, like, not me writing it, right? <laughs> sure. So, I was like, let let me keep the voice, and we'll discuss everything page by page. So, it would, it would be, like, the script would be back in my hands. So, we wrote it that way, and... That was our process, and in all the meetings with producers or with potential cast, we were all as a unit. So writing was whatever, however we wanted or approach it, but once you feeling really good about the script and it gets optioned once and it gets in someone else's hands and it gets re-optioned and stuff like this, you basically become one. You know, like you know what the other wants and what the other is thinking about, and you kind of like uh, answer for each other, and that is yeah. a good collaboration, I think. I agree. <laughs> Lovely. So now that okay, so again, you're a director. Mm -hmm. The script is completed, and we are getting ready to. It's it's now being greenlit, and you have the budget, and mm -hmm. everything is in place. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm directing this thing that we've been working on as a writing or whatever, all the you know all that kind of stuff. So what what what? Okay, the question is going to be what production wise, mm -hmm. what aspect gets you most excited? Uh, I think the most exciting part for me is visual language. And um, I've been told that many times again that I'm a writer, uh, I'm a actor's writer, but cinematographer's director, and I could not agree more with that. I think it's very true to the way I approach films. Is that I would go into the script and I would change the character, I would change their behaviors, things that they say, I would tailor the plot for them, for the actor, for the performer, and the character. But once the script is done, I'm all full on the director and I'm catering to my DP. And or I need a cinematographer who would be enhancing my vision because I can see at that point, like you said, you switch from the writer's brain to the director's brain. I do that uh, very like instantly. The moment I know that the script is good, I'm, I'm switching to director mm -hmm. um, and I'm thinking like how to shoot this. What is the what is the visual theme and what is the um, how do i shoot this particular scene to make everything that i tried as a writer stand out even more with uh, it's especially evident with esther's choice because it was my first film i debuted in america um narrative uh, short film kind of romance thriller 
And I knew that I have to shoot it in three days because I produced it as well all by myself. And I had experience on sets when everything goes wrong as a script supervisor. So I knew how to write cheap and smart and everything. But as a director, you still want to get that production value and you still want to tell the story. So um, I was like, okay, what takes the longest time on set and what is the most wasteful thing to do on set? Takes, performances, adjustments, tweaks wasting your time with actors okay, basically okay. <laughs> so i was like how as a director or as a producer who's putting some, their own some, money sometimes it's wasting time with camera too right. depending on the shot right true true so i was like how do i say what i want to say or like try to show what i'm seeing in the most in the cheapest most efficient way and i think in esther's choice that's how the idea of repetitive shots came in to me i was like i will just not tweak the lights i would not change the camera angle camera stays the same but the actors do different things and it's not even dialogue scenes it's one actor uh, one one actress right emma orlov from 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 esther's choice who was playing esther 80 percent of the script is on her is 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 her performance and um it's very effective i think too because we see her in the same room with the same with everything is the same it's very familiar but the way she behaves is different so for me just coming in and like whispering something to her and making a performance adjustment was the easiest thing because nothing else should have changed right and it goes through the whole through the whole script it's like oh we've seen that overhead shot oh we've seen that the dolly push in but she's she's different and it told the story very very quickly you know like by by the end of the first day i think i shot the 30 percent of my like 40 percent of my movie was done because i shot that those silent scenes yeah. and and i was ready to move on to my performance scenes and like waste time there you know <laughs> but it was it was the way i approached that film and i think now looking back in all of my projects and forward as well, um, that is my way of directing is thinking about visuals and thinking how they enhance the story and not necessarily the dialogue scenes, but, but the world too. Like the, picking up some prop and thinking like, how do I show the passage of time with this, this and that? So it's interpreting and trying to visualize that because it's a visual medium you know it's not theater really and it's not like uh, a piece of uh in uh, like uh, of journalism it's not poetry or anything yeah, else it's, it's visual yeah. so you have to take care of that you have to know how to achieve that but also know why you're doing that i think that's that's where your team comes in and when you're i'm very collaborative with my cinematographers and i've been lucky so far to have people who not only like facilitate my vision which is I bring a lot of definitive stuff and I know what I want in a lot of ways, but I still want that collaboration and I want someone to like bring their A game and say like, what do you think? Like, what is your perspective? And yeah, actually it's like, it's like, a it's like it. a Lee, I, I hear that you really want this. Here's some, I'm just going to throw some other ideas yeah, at you. Exactly. Would maybe yeah. even elevate it further. Like, and that's what you want as a director. Take it or you like, don't. Yeah. yeah. And take it or leave it and like, oh, well, but this makes me think about this, this and that and bring your references. Like let's let's work on that, you know? And and it all makes sense because you you making some you again, you build in the world, right? So you need a lot of workers to do that and you need a lot of like pe people handling different construction uh sides of that world, you know? That's how I, that's how I see it. Yeah. So where do you get your visual language inspirations from? Like, inspirations, I would say. Like, yeah. Well, I don't. Where do you get them? Watching other movies. I'm not a film buff. I haven't so, seen anything. 
I'm not a film buff either. Mm-hmm. I need to watch. I, I'm constantly telling people I need to watch more TV yeah, and more movies. Yeah. Just because mm-hmm. where are you going to steal from, right? Like where? What is the reference yeah, from? Where are you inspired. <laughs> where inspired are you by. Inspired by. I think. I think art for me. The most important, most inspiring thing is fine art, mm-hmm. at least on a compositional level. Uh, and like how do you and also just be like instinctual a lot of stuff that that i have to like read i read like a couple of books read retroactively after like making esther's choice like i i know all the performance books like stanislavski and everything i learned that while i was at school and stuff so i know the legit stuff for sure but some of like directing movies so sydney lumet i read it after i I, I already directed um esther's choice or some like some stuff like oh if you want if you want us to feel um anxious do a shaky camera and those stuff is, for me, it's so instinctual and like so, and I probably because I was on set so much as a, as a script supervisor and seeing other directors or other DPs like achieving some stuff or failing to achieve a specific thing that was in the script. I was like, okay, that's how you learn that. I think that's how like it goes in your um, subconscious and then you kind of pull it, pull it out. But composition, I think I really... Uh, base it or like remember stuff from fine art uh classics like sometimes going mm-hmm. to a museum is very inspiring for me that i would think about stuff like camera mo- camera not not movement so much but but compositions and light and like in the moods and stuff and camera movement is just like it's so basic just learn 12 or whatever however many there are translations of the feeling that you want and what camera movement achieves it the best you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all on the surface for me, but might be not very. Um, not very classic, or like, you would, is there a book that uh, says that? Like, this is how you achieve this, and this is how you do this. Yeah, you know? it's like, oh, you want this shot? Well, we should, pr- like, that's that screaming, like, shoot that on a steady versus yeah. a handheld yeah, versus yeah. static versus a push in versus a versus getting some parallax on the side thingy exactly or, or it's like or, cho- or choosing like the lens for me i'm such, i'm not a nerd i'm not a camera nerd at all but i want to know and i want to know everything that 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 is concerning the image that okay. i'm gonna like put in my film you know so basic stuff i should know how to achieve so i know some lenses and i know like this lens is not gonna do what i'm trying to do like don't give me a crispy image i don't need a crispy image for that what do you what is why is it so sterile and stuff like this so i know that as a director but not a lot of directors do and they fall on their dps and sometimes dps bring their very stylized look it has nothing to do with the story you know what i mean it's like but it comes from you as a director so you have to be confident in what 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 you do but also know what it is like if if there is an emergency and my dp cannot come on set i'll shoot it i like i know that i would be able to shoot some my stuff but i just need that that person to to be there and have my back and also like care about other stuff that i have to care about the director if i lose a production designer i'll be okay designing my set you know like but and as a director you have to do that you have to know that because it um inspires everyone on set because everyone feels like protected and like oh she knows what she's doing I better bring my A game on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've I'm, probably I'm, been so many times on set as a script supervisor yourself when you know, like we see the director who's very weak and they have no idea what's happening around them. And it 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 
poisons to set. Well, because I mean, it's a it's a tough balance. Because mm. there's a, I mean, like you said, there's the certain circumstances where you're again you're trying to add production value to your film, so you want to elevate it in ways, but there's no you don't have the budget for the extra art hands, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you are taking it upon yourself to assist the art team with setting stuff up or like okay yeah like that like i i I really like that but there are some directors that come from the background of soup the super smallest indiest thing where you're forced to do everything Mm -hmm. so then when they get on the bigger set they're touching everything when they they don't really need to because it's like no you delegate that and you communicate that to your team Mm -hmm. and they should be handling it and if if stuff does fall through the cracks you're there to pick it up Mm -hmm. but yeah there's Yes. I, There's a balance here for it's, sure. It's, yeah, it's, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I was also thinking about, again, the visual, getting where, where you get visuals from. You mentioned, you, you kind of off, okay, you mentioned like art and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Like I know for me, I was thinking about reading. Like, mm-hmm. you, like it's nice because, uh, you know, just fiction, just reading fictions fiction very books because uh, when you're reading a book you're 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 being the hit with visuals is wor- all. yes it's working yeah and the benefit there is like that the writers they're they're directing the visuals for you so specifically mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. are seeing stuff but mm-hmm. everybody's seeing something different right so having some of those visions instill in there that kind of helps with like it's it's less it's less cheaty than watching a movie and taking a vision exactly than, yeah. and and even like taking it just for stylistic reasons as like oh, that was some cool shot I want to make it in my movie I have a list of shots that I would oh, like yeah, to do yeah, sure. but if they're not like enhancing my story I would never use it's them gonna be pointful you know right yeah um I was thinking too oh, what was I thinking shucks I'm losing it the when okay writing mm-hmm. going back to writing uh, again really quick too because the visions come during the writing process or do you s- how how because you're writing to communicate a vision on mm-hmm. the page right but then once the director hat comes on then it's all there yeah so it's all there i've already done that work um as a writer so when the director's hat comes on I think at that point, it, let me think about this. So when I was writing Esther's Choice, I knew that I'm going to direct it and I directed it on page and I wrote camera moves and like colors of the dress and uh, pretty much everything, even like emotions and stuff. I I wrote in bold, like um, defeated and isolation or uh jealousy and stuff like this which is like you know any book any screenwriting book you read it was like no 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 don't do that blah, blah blah no forget about it do whatever you want uh whatever makes uh it come alive you know because script already just by formatting 
is a very technical document, mm -hmm. don't make it even more technical. Help yourself. It's fine. Especially if you're directing it, you know? I understand the respect, being respectful when you actually be, bring into a big studio and, the, and it's going to change 50 times. It's fine. Like, don't, don't even waste your time, like, trying to bring up your vision, just collecting a check. Um, <laughs> honestly. And, but I knew that I was directing it, so I wrote all those, all those things. So at the, at the point when I wrote my, uh, when I, like, wore my director's hat, and it was time to actually make it happen and produce and direct, it was already there. So it is as if I've done my director's pass, right? Yeah. So I, at that stage when you've done the director's pass and you know like where you're going, then you just break down the, the, the script scene by scene and you shot list. That, that is the thing that you do, I think, for me and Guillermo, my DP, was that, like, my director's book was, like, 40 pages. His was, like, 20 pages for the look and visuals Shoo. for, like, a short film. You know and what I mean? You story, do you storyboard, too? I don't storyboard. I think that's the thing that I should pick up as my next skill is actually start drawing because it's just when you try to communicate your vision now that I do commercial directing – um, it's a very helpful, one of the most helpful things for you to do as a beginning director, I think, is learn how to draw storyboards. And there's so many resources now. You can do it on your computer. There's like some programs or software that lets you do it less uh, mediocre. <laughs> I would say, yeah, if you, yeah. I cannot draw for the life of me. I'm so bad I, at I it. I can. You you can? I you should <laughs> you should storyboard every uh, shot. <laughs> Well, I practiced storyboarding on my last. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I directed a, a, a decent budgeted short film this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, for this one, I feel like I should go through the authentic process. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let me storyboard. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, I didn't even story. I didn't get through the full script. I ran out of time. Mm -hmm. But um, I posted to Instagram on a story. And it's like kind of like what I was working on. So I snuck a little some images of the storyboards. Yeah, yeah. And I had an animation friend reach out and he was like, hey, when you're wanting to do some real storyboards next time, reach out to me. <laughs> real storyboards? That's what they said? So I was like, ouch. I thought uh, I, was, I was really proud of these. I would say these, ouch but. in the script for that, for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's funny. I just like even stick figures. But you know that what I do now is like, especially for commercial projects, I would just find like, again, there's so many resources, but I want to particularly plug Shot Deck. But uh, by um, the, it skips my mind now. Um, his name, he's my pen pal. <laughs> what, uh, Larry? Uh, the the guy who um, shot uh, Joker. I don't know his name. So he came up with Shot Deck, um, which is oh, yes, the yes, incredible yes. resource of shots of all kinds. And the the the, the most brilliant thing about it is yeah, it's all the tags. Yeah, it's just a library so you can just of like, images. Yeah, yeah, it's a library of images. And but you can search so many by the mood, like lighting, the shot size, subject. woman, subject, like woman, man, black, uh, black and white, uh, uh, negative space and all that kind of s stuff. Too and shot, like, like all the, yeah. and, and they're getting better and better with tagging a lot of classics and a lot of new films as well. So what I do now is I storyboard by shots from Shot Deck. I would go, I have my own library. It's almost of like course. a it's almost like a mood pass too. Exactly, you can, you can get, exactly. Yeah. So it's like it's composition, but also like what I'm trying to achieve vision wise. And I think it's even more helpful, especially when you're trying to sell your vision to people who would pay you money for that vision. For myself, I would just not storyboard. I would, I would do like looks, like uh, look references, and we, I would probably have a film or two that is 
very heavy reference for my film and i'll be like what was that thing that they achieved in that film but not necessarily like i try not to watch it a couple of times or whatever not really steal it so not have it in my mind so much i would like maybe choose a film that i watched like six years ago and i'll be like oh remember the mood of that and the feeling of that that's our reference and i would tell my dp they would watch it once and be like oh i get what you say and then we go from there ourselves because i the last thing I want to do is someone be like, oh, that's like that shot from that. Like, I was like, no, 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 please, no. And how you achieve that, you're not, you're not watching it too much. You're not like studying it too much. Don't study someone else's things, you know, be yourself, you know. Great advice. Let's wait for that siren, no, the typical fine, New York thing. <laughs> I do want to transition out of visual camera stuff. And if I may, yes, if I may. Yes, of course. Um, <clears throat> And talk a little bit about process with cast. Okay. Because um, this is, again, uh, we're trying to avoid wasting too much time on set with experimenting with performance. True. We don't, right, as, 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 as you were saying. So let's go to the beginning of the process, which let's, let's call casting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... You as a director, how do you like to cast? How do you, what's your what's your approach and how do you develop your approach? Like what is what is your I'm very specific so far and uh, with projects that I've been given or doing myself, um, I have uh, more or less control and I try to get it into my deals and make my reps be like, yeah, but she has the final say on stuff like this. And I'm not doing like big studio films when you have no control uh, at this point. I'm, I'm ready to sell, sell out any day. I just want to say that out loud. Sure, uh, I'll, sure, I'll please. do a studio film. I will say yes to everything. It's fine. So but at this point, I'm very particular with stuff that I do as a director and in, in casting particularly. When I write, I already have my cast in my mind. And it's very helpful. And I would re- I would already do um, a cast board when I write. And I would like put it, either print it out or put it on my iPad while I write. And I would glance now and then at those people and their faces and write for them and hear their voices. Um, so for at least protagonist antagonist usually when i write i already have them in mind and everyone else is just like oh that type this people this person type and then i I reach out to them you know and if they say no um we would go for someone else and i would find someone else so i guess i know because i I know the story for esther's choice Mm -hmm. on how that cast came to be is that and those those are people that you were familiar with and you had met in person prior you had never worked with them in that capacity before right, if I'm, right. Mm-hmm. but you knew them and you'd been on set with them yes and you see so you had a previous rapport to leverage kind of i mean like emma i just saw i came on this feature film she was leading as a consulting script supervisor it was just a very heavy scene and my producer friend just asked me to like be another set of uh, eyes and i just remember her from like whatever so seven years ago i saw her on screen and i was like wow she has incredible screen presence I would love to work with her one day. 
um so i stalked her on facebook i added her on facebook on instagram and facebook. for years like we've never i don't think i even like talked to her when i saw her i just remembered her yeah. like if i see a face once oh. i will remember that face uh especially a face like emma's like so like she's so brilliant i cannot like uh stop praising her because she deserves all the praise in the world and and then I, like out of nowhere i'm starting to write this uh this script that i wrote for my dp who asked me like write something i want to shoot for you and i was like yeah you got it uh and i was writing that and i had Emma in my mind when i was writing that uh, francois character the 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 second lead um i didn't really have francois in my mind i had like a list of like five maybe actors to approach and francois was one of them um so it just happened so that i learned that someone's looking for a script supervisor on this short film which he's leading and i was like that might be a good audition for him and i made sure that i made made it to that uh, short film set and i was script supervising it he had no idea for three days i just watched him work with another director and i really liked what i saw and i was like and then um, at the rap and we didn't even chat too much uh so there was no like rapport rapport uh more like professional and but you as a script supervisor i think like you just like with cast all the time anyway so there is some uh friendliness involved for sure mm -hmm. so when i said to him like i might have a script for you uh would you mind looking at it of course he approached it as not like some stranger of like some writer or like aspiring director coming he was like the person who he knew for like three days so he read it and we started talking about it and like he really liked the idea and i think he liked the character so we started developing it and of course i went back to the script and shaped it in entirely for him that's how he contributed as a creative producer too like he had some ideas okay, yeah. and i was really open to that and again like like, like i said i'm a writer uh, like actor's writer so i have no ego involved with that and if they have ideas i really cherish that too and i like that when the actors bring their ideas yeah. for characters because they would be more authentic authentic playing that playing my script you know what i mean yeah it's it, like only helpful yeah do you think about that a lot with your team when I don't want to feed you an answer mm. here, but when you are directing, how much are you considering what the people around you are getting out of the project? Like mm -hmm. with the actors, for for instance, that's the best way to, I mean, that works on everybody. It's mm -hmm. like, all right, I, well, I want you to want to work on this piece. If this makes the character more exciting for you and it mm -hmm. works in my story, and I like it too, then let's do that because it's exciting for you. It's exciting for me. Exactly. And it's a win-win across the you board. You want to do that. I okay. think you actively should look for opportunities to make it sweet for other people, not just you. Because yeah. it's like, then at the end of the day, it's gonna, every, the vibes were, were, are going to be good you know lives are important you know everyone's like oh i really want this for my reel or i really like my production designer she was still in school studying theater production design when she was produ production designing esther's choice for her it was her first big thing on her portfolio and it brought her a lot of work after that so she was excited and don't underestimate the vibe and that that the, when it gets hectic and when you're trying to make your day that friendliness and that excitement is going to save you and take you out of a deep water um, that everyone's coming together, especially on the independent set. You know, everyone should like you're not there for the rate. Let's face it. Right. You're not there making money. So you have to. I always try to make sure that everyone on my team is getting something out of it more than money. And then it elevates the project. I think I I fully believe that it does ooze into the frame like how the crew and their work 
100% gets into the frame. You can feel that. It's not just actors. It's just everything. Little details. Yeah, every, yeah. Like the way the camera is operating. You know what I mean? Like more energy and stuff like this. I can see. I pick up on that. I don't know if other people do, but I, I, I see that. I and it's I, a subconscious thing. I maybe. Feel, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like people do, mm-hmm. though. Because, I mean, I, I agree 100% with with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like I do... Uh, think about the actors usually i have the the lead in my mind and then i approach them or um with with writing and writing to direct most of the time i gotta tell you i have the actor relationship already actors is the most inspiring inspiring thing for me as a writer if i know an actor or actress and they're big right they're celebrity or whatever they're good established actors they're friends at some point or like pals and I would rather write script for them than write the script on my personal idea whatever the premise that I came up with for no one that I know and that's how my project seems to be happening is that like oh I had the muse I wrote the script for her she's gonna star in it she's gonna bring money to it because they want to start in it and they want to be the, the lead in, in the script. So it kind of works all in collaboration rather than me really forcing the issue and like writing like a sci-fi $30 million film well, and be like, good. whoa, how about sound. how about I get like Liam Neeson to do this, who I have no connection with, nothing to do with, you know? So it's like being like a little smarter than, than the average uh, writer <laughs> so what ab- what about okay a couple things as an actor mm-hmm. i'm not an actor mm-hmm. again jumping to actor perspective mm-hmm. i'm hearing you and i'm like okay well how do i get on your radar at all like right. i like i want to get cast and right. if directors are just tapping into people they know yeah how do you know like how like i don't know it's i get uh, a lot of actors through instagram honestly uh or like soho house but that is very like privileged thing to do like when you soho house yeah like i just hang out at soho house a lot in new york and there's like a lot of actors like it's like the exclusive membership club whatever all over the world uh-huh. and la has one la has a bunch actually like there's west hollywood soho house there's like a, a more pool kind of vibes and so i go to soho house a lot and there's like a lot of actors who hang out there so if they're cool you, and nice, I would meet them there. And do you present yourself as, hey, I'm a director hanging out, everybody? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I wish I could do that. I wish I would have confidence to do that. But no, it's just usually You're just, just being, chilling. Yeah, just chilling, be nice. And if it happens naturally, you can talk to them. If not, it's fine. And they like, you know, I love actors with all my heart. And they like, I want to always hug them and be like comforting and stuff because they're so fragile usually. And like, like so like there's a lot of ego involved and stuff it's and, hard and now yeah 100 percent. i would never be able to do that like and i still fight that to this day with people from like my community and from the my hometown or like from my country like saying like oh but you're like pretty why don't you be an actress i was like i want to shatter the, that man usually a man i'm gonna shatter their face and be like no I'm a director. Yeah. Like I fight my looks too, but it's like I can only imagine what it is like dealing with all these rejections. I deal with a lot of rejections as a director, but they're doing it on a daily basis. You know, I have enormous respect for them. But to answer your question, to for maybe to actors who are watching it or or just um, you know in general, in my case, Instagram is hundred percent 
how I cast. Like I just did this commercial uh, campaign and I really blasted it to my Instagram. Like, hey, I'm looking for this, this and that. And my DMs blew up. And I was exposed to so many new uh, actresses for this one. This was particularly was uh, uh, all-female cast. And I was so happy to like meet all these people. But if I wouldn't put it on Instagram, I would have to go from friend to friend and be like, hey, what about this? What about that? Do you have anyone? Blah, blah, blah. I just don't do that anymore. I just put, I have a platform and like I have some followers. So uh, I, I can't do that. And that's how I get exposed. And I'm always open to meet new people, always open to, to collaborate on stuff like this, especially when they just like starting out and stuff. I'm workshopping some stuff. I'm doing like some safe space things that I don't want to show like to, even to my manager, to like anyone uh, remote in Hollywood I don't want to show that because I'm just <laughs> working on it right and actors are the people who understand that and they would be like yeah like they're gentle too they gentle back at you I, I find that's why I'm like so inspired and I have a lot of actor friends <laughs> you know yeah they're great with words of affirmation yeah and, yeah yeah because yeah. yeah, yeah. they want them too <laughs> yeah. so they give you <laughs> some to receive yeah, yeah exactly okay that makes sense I mean it's, it makes sense as to how how you and I connected in the first place, and yeah. all too. We connected Wasn't it Instagram, Instagram too? Yeah. yeah, everything yeah. happens on Instagram, Instagram, Facebook. I don't know, one of those. Yeah, probably. We're, we're on different coasts. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but no. Okay. That's okay. That makes sense. I mean, that's essentially how I cast as well. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I am, as we climb the ranks. Mm hmm. Like I don't know what experience you have with cast working with like a casting director. Mm-hmm. If you've gone through that 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 process not before, not yet. I haven't. Like that kind of scares me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Like, who are you not showing me? Right. <laughs> Why are you choosing who to like? How like? Like you have to trust your your the team that you bring on board. Do, but that's kind of like a it's kind of like a weird thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like I I like I like the. Have, gauging the vibes on my own and and doing that whole thing too true but also like there's a different side of coin there who am i not seeing who am i not knowing why like maybe i'm too much in my own bubble you know like when you you have that those all those actors you're friends with not only as far as you can go with shooting with your friends you know however like famous they are whatever it doesn't matter right but um, there are some incredible actors who you don't even know that's where that's where the casting director comes in i think because they're just so yeah. yeah 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 okay Okay, so that's casting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to gauge our time, but we're flying, <laughs> we're flying by. Um, is there anything that, as far as the process, it's like you you mentioned. How much do you push for as a director? Like, I know it comes down to budgetary levels, or even like the passion stuff too, mm-hmm. like rehearsals, rehearsal time. Yeah, because that's kind of that's that's where we have our opportunity to experiment and try things and waste our time there, which Mm -hmm. is not wasted because we're planning for it. But what's your take on working with actors and pre and then like, is it, yeah, I don't know. I'm all for, uh, I'm all for figuring it out in pre-production and not doing anything during uh, production Um, with my commercials or with my narrative work. I, tend to arrive on set so over-prepared 
that it's so, so like on the back of my mind and I don't even need to look like at my iPad yeah, or yeah. my notes and stuff. Like I would look here and there at my storyboards just to see editorially if I need to make a decision. Ma- maybe your sides. Yeah, maybe my sides. Maybe my sides. I'll look at that. But um, I over-prepare. And that saved me a bunch on set. Uh, so, and it goes into working with actors too. I prefer the actors who do um, rehearsals. And that might... Uh, I might be biased a bit because my initial exposure to directing was theater directing. And yeah, that's everything yeah. you do in theater is rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. So by the time you're on, on stage, you don't even like, you don't figure it out. You don't have a privilege of figuring it out. Like maybe you get notes uh, after like first run or like an, an, an address and stuff like this from the director. But after you premiere, it is basically just, you that's know, show, a little yeah. adjusting here and there. And that's it. So... I do tend to fall back to that kind of timeline, uh, rehearsing for a couple of weeks, uh, uh, putting it on feet and all that theater, um, you know, shenanigans that you do. But sometimes you work with actors that don't want to do rehearsals or they feel insecure about that because they never had theater training. And Emma, for example, is a theater trained actress and we spoke the same language and she she came to that set that i had access to officer's choice and we rehearsed a bunch even though there was like stuff that she was doing with her face only there was no dialogue and like a lot of scenes are no dialogue of her living in the space so i gave her that time to actually be familiarized with that space and but i didn't do it too much because actually in the script that she was supposed to like learn the space on her own because she just moved in so i didn't want her to be like at home and if that's all like i had to stop it at some point but it helped because we were not wasting time on set because she's been there you Mm -hmm, know and mm -hmm. even like for for the last couple of rehearsal like for the last rehearsal day rehearsal day like um she came in and Guillermo came in and my my dp so he was able to audition for himself he was able to rehearse too because on the day we were didn't we weren't even discussing stuff. We just looked at it, it at each other, and like one look would be like, "Oh, I get what you mean." Like we didn't even talk. Yeah. Like we didn't discuss stuff. You know how like DPs and directors sometimes like, you know, have a blocking and have the first run uh, with actors and the crew sees that, and then they decide how they're gonna cover the scene, like who do you think you are? You know, like, why are you doing this? Like, it's so disrespectful for the crew. For, for uh, uh, like, By the time I arrive on that set, I know how I'm shooting it. I know, like, what, what my lens is for, for that particular shot. I know editorially where I'm going to be for this particular yeah, yeah. line. <laughs> and it saves time. And it not only saves time, it also, like, I think how you should approach this, this things like this. Because if things go wrong, you, you have that foundation of the ideal thing that you prepped for but when things go wrong you think about um solving that particular issue like you have 15 minutes and sun goes down for example right the classic thing like you look back at your plan that you were supposed to be there two hours ago and shoot this scene in in six shots so you look at that plan and see like what is the most important thing for me like i would look at my if i am in that dire situation i would look back at my director's book and have like there's like a column for what is the scene is trying to accomplish emotionally 
and story-wise. So I look at those two words, I would usually have like one adjective or like one verb for that for that scene when I break it down in pre-pro. And I'm like, what is from this shot, they have to all kill and have only one shot that my ID says to me, like I, we can only shoot it in one shot. For example, it's theoretical. I'm usually know in this situation, yeah, thank God. Happens, but so. theoretically, right? I would look at like, what am I trying to accomplish? Because like, I mean, it's, it's in indie filmmaking, prep is sometimes a luxury. Because like when I, I know, I'm thinking about, of course, like even this last short that I shot, um, we had a $50,000 budget mm-hmm. and four days to shoot. And we had our extensive prep shot list down, but we hadn't, we were shooting in a different state. We didn't have access to the locations, locations ahead of time. We hadn't even seen a couple locations before. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, we have three hours in this location we have like three we have two let's say we have like two location moves today we have three hours here we've never seen this space before we have our shot list that we know what we're trying to accomplish at least we need her to walk from point a to point b so and this has this has to happen this has to happen yeah. okay but do we want to shoot it upstairs or downstairs or and that's when the block light shoot fundamentals come in. It's like, all right, we need to communicate to the team. Yeah. We can't just light and then be like, well, where is she moving? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. But uh, ideally, you do all that in prep, yeah. It, like I said before, like I constantly um, fight my look. A 5'3 kind of petite girl with like curls and cute and whatever was uh, sometimes more soft-spoken and less Russian and like less with a Russian accent or or very friendly, you know. Uh, sometimes I need to like bring like my by Eastern European up or like my uh, my Asian uh, in and be like more, you know, anal about stuff and be like more, you know, this is what I want. This is like what i need and people do not believe that i would be able to like run a 50 people set i've done this before i'm sorry like i know how to do this or i've been exposed to many sets where i've seen that in action and i can emulate that so just give me a chance and it's really hard to like now that i do commercials uh more and more like i started doing it in covid when you do that you actually like pitch your idea to agencies or to client right Mm -hmm. so they would love you you would kill it in the first meeting or they would love your treatment they would love your vision but then at the end of the day you lose it to a white white guy who has maybe two more videos on their reel or is friends with the agency uh, unfortunately yeah yeah. this is the life that i'm living right now is that like trying constantly to prove yourself more than anyone else who is not a woman or who is like was not born into that or was not given this privilege of like you know contacts or whatever or a perception of a film director like if you think film director who do you have in mind right right you know what i mean yeah do you actually uh, you know think of like a small girl who's gonna like direct big celebrities no so it's always like trying to fight that that perception and and the kind not stigma but like the stereotype of a male director in a hat pointing, and it's not you. <laughs> I don't fit that. Yeah, right? yeah. Yet I have skills. <laughs> no, for sure. It's um, yeah. You explained it well. Is the the what's what's the word? It's it's um. Changing, I don't even know how to go. 
people have certain expectation, like you said, of what they expect to see in a certain position. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were, I don't know, not to make this about me. That's what I had the problem with when they were asking that the initial questions, like, what is it like to be female filmmaker? For me, the irking thing was not the, the, what is the underlying question behind is like, of course, they're trying to like bring up the subject and make it better and be progressive and like, uh, you know, talk about stuff like this, which is fine. I applaud the journalists for asking that question, but I don't like what it is like to be a female filmmaker. Why having female is so important? What is it like being filmmaker while being a woman, for example, would be a better question for me because I would still be considered a filmmaker. I think we have a problem with the with the with our perception of what director is or what filmmaker is and we just need to add more women into that and it would be like what is it being a doctor you can imagine a woman doctor right so when you when someone asks me hopefully in 10 years what is it like being a filmmaker woman would appear in that person's mind you know what i mean yeah so we just need more women is our our how how often do you have director friends yeah i do not many, but do I do? <laughs> I know that's something I've been trying harder. Like I've been trying more so to surround myself with other mm-hmm. directors that are also pushing. And it's like you know, it's it's we go through stuff mm-hmm. that no other position is really. It's like all right, oh my gosh, I'm trying to do this thing. How did yeah. you? How did you? Like because you're. Um, I was just gonna ask about other women directors. Like I don't if if I don't know if people come to you like other women come out of the woodwork on Instagram and like, oh my gosh, Aaliyah, like how like I want to be a, I want to direct, and I'm experiencing some similar stuff too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really I don't know I don't know I don't know. I get a a lot. Um, unfortunately, there's like what I'm hearing is now from producer friends is that they would hire a female uh, director, but sometimes they drop a ball. So when they're not prepared to do that and when they just a quota hire instead of someone who has some experience, it would be good. Um, they hire just a woman who is like a, a niece of someone, usually, or a daughter. To direct? Yeah. They, they hire that person just because they're a woman. I hate when they hire just because they're a woman. I think they would hire. They should hire by talent, but just be exposed to more talented women. Um, so they drop the ball, and then that agency or that client would never work with a woman anymore. So now we're at oh. that point when, like, now as a female filmmaker who has a reel, actually, who has representation, now I'm at the point when I'm ready for that bigger project because the woman before me really didn't deliver. I have to fight that perception as well. Yeah, so it's not... Okay, so when an opportunity is given... Yeah. Sometimes... It's, it's, it, well, it's it's even more weight is being put on you. It's like, oh, now you're representing all women filmmakers. Exactly. Let's see Let's see what the women it got. <laughs> it became a thing. It's too much oh, of a no. thing now. Um, so, but to answer your question, is like when some uh aspiring filmmakers and i get a lot i mentor a lot of uh young aspiring female filmmakers and number one thing that i tell them get on set not in the director's position and i would tell them to to, would say that to a man as well just be a script supervisor for example just like be around um set be on set be in a very authoritative position like script supervisor but position with responsibility you need to know everything about filmmaking supervisor authoritative 
guess. Too. Yeah, should be. <laughs> should be. You like you you deliver bad news, you should be gentle, of course. Most of the time you do deliver bad news. So there's a lot of politics involved in that and gentleness to that. But still, like you have to be confident in what you're saying, right? You have to know your shit. So just do that. Watch other directors work, fail, make the breakthroughs, get that experience. That's the film school that they, they pay you for and go from there. Don't direct your f- don't put all your money in your first sh- uh, short film because it's going to be a waste yeah. when you just oh i want to be directing you know like when you have that thought or like when you're out of film school and be like yeah i'm a director now i'm gonna direct now and you go and direct you're gonna fail you're 100 gonna fail just go see other people fail and learn from that so yeah, and then when delay, you do when, when you when you do make stuff, yeah. make it for free. Like the stuff you said, like you don't want to show. You're not going to show anybody yeah, this work, yeah, yeah. but like get some reps in in that position with right. friends that right. want to be practicing stuff too. Right, when the stakes are low and stuff like this, yeah. But don't don't try don't take it too seriously. Of course, it's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Wait. Don't direct right away. Wait. <laughs> Learn stuff before you direct. Unfortunately, I have to say that. I hate that I have to say that, but there are so many mediocre directors who have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Tired of working for mediocre directors. Right, right. Okay, quick things. Let's 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 jump quickly to quickly, I hate that word. Uh let's you jump said it five times <laughs> <already>. <laughs> Let's jump to New York. Yeah versus los angeles okay why why are you in new york city and not los angeles california let's say with like that's where i you know where the where the where the where, the, where all the magic's happening oh yeah <laughs> yeah you say that that's in your opinion like no i don't know i don't i have this okay yeah but you have a stronger opinion than i, I have do. a very strong opinion about LA. i think la sucks uh i hate la i hate the people i'm sorry to say that but i cannot stand it my cannot stand the people the weather is nice the people the 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 traffic is terrible and uh, there's no uh, public transportation, unfortunately. I would not survive there. I don't drive. I mean, like, if someone's dying, I'll drive them to the hospital. I know I'm capable of driving a vehicle, but I don't have a license and I don't plan to really because I'm a New Yorker. I walk. I take the bus. I take the subway and stuff. I don't care So can, for driving. can you describe the... LA people like what is it shallow artificial uh fake I give you an example um so my bullshit meter goes like this anytime I'm in LA or talk to LA people why because especially as a creative everything in LA is fantastic brilliant genius groundbreaking and let's collapse soon all okay. the stuff that I hear. Uh-huh. And I know that my work is good. I know it gets good reviews from normal people like Blacklist or like professional readers and stuff when we talk about the screenplay or a film, Esther's Choice, for example, right? Or something that I'm trying to get from the ground and actually like sell or work on. All the LA people say, this is amazing. I've never like such fresh voice and stuff like this. They never call you back. Or like they call you and they like just say bullshit words very exaggerated stuff new york and east coast people they would probably not say it's fantastic they would say this is really solid or this is really good i love this or stuff like this or it's not very good or maybe i haven't heard that yet but yes for sure they say like they will give you honest feedback and 
if they really like it, they will call you back and they will make it happen. So they will probably just play it down with all the adjectives, but if they mean something, they mean it. You can rely on New York people. You cannot rely on LA people. And I kid you not, every time there's a production that ha- that, that happens with a lay producer or like with a lay director, especially a lay DP, especially a lay director, but a lay DPs Here in the- New York, okay, uh-huh. hacks. I have to say it, hacks. Like m- absolute mediocrity. Like who, t- who tries to shoot stuff in New York and get our New York production value on their LA buck and like on L- the LA vibe of like fake and sh- like I feel very <laughs> strongly about it. I'm sorry, but this is unacceptable. Maybe my bar is really high with New York because you have to be really good to survive in New York. Mm-hmm. Like our unions are very strong. Like best crew in the world is probably New York crew. And that's why we have more productions at each given day for the pa- past couple of years. We have like 10 more productions on each day than LA and really? then Atlanta. So LA like for or- now, we're shooting 80 shows right uh, at this moment. 80 shows are shooting right now, this minute. And there will be like 60 shows in LA right now as well. So we shoot more. And not because it's New York, New York. We also have tri-state area, obviously. We have New Jersey, who is, uh, which is close by. They're opening like studios and stuff. But it's still like very accessible. And to in order to make it in New York, you have to be really good skill set wise right to make it in the line i don't think you have to be really good because you know like because for a producer everyone is in the industry so you don't have to be really good to get a grip like the grip doesn't have to be really good to actually get a job because there's so many productions and the producers don't really care because they can have someone from the street to do that and they have no problem with doing that they have no problem with like getting some film school student like shooting their feature film you know what i mean so more people get opportunities in la based on nothing when in new york the the life is so tough and you have to be really good because the competition is incredible and everyone in la is very lax so i think it 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 actually adds to the production um ethic work ethic and and value of stuff that we put out the new york crews and new york people and we're perfectly fine being here. I think we don't need to be in LA because there's a lot of work and a lot of money. And you, if, you, if you're good, you're going to be fine. You don't need to go to LA and prove something to someone. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel very strongly about it. You can hear that. That was great. That was great. You can see that too. And for writers, you know, you, they used to be pre-COVID. They used to say like for actors and writers, you have to be in LA. I've heard that so many times that I even considered like being bi-coastal at some point before COVID. Is like, yeah, all the for writing for your writing. All the writers' pursuit. rooms, all the writers' rooms are in LA. You have to be in LA. You have to be in the known. You have to like have lunches and stuff like this. COVID. Well, if one thing, one good thing came out of that is Zooms. Like all the auditions now for actors, I'm sure that's like all Zooms, all self tapes. You just you just submit. You have you can be whenever you want. Like for for actual shooting, you probably could go to LA and stuff. Or for, for like callbacks or whatever. Exactly yeah. for the callbacks. But like initially, you don't have to be there. You don't have to sit on the stool with the 15 other people who look exactly like you. Like and go through all this humiliation, right? Which is a good thing. And same thing for writers. Like you can be anywhere. Like I know so many writers who moved out of LA. And now have happy lives, writing on the show still through Zoom. We don't have to be there. And New York has a lot of rooms too now. Just saying. Really? <laughs> okay. So are you are you are you saying? Yeah. Eddie. 
like let's just okay let's let's say me Mm -hmm. taking stock of where i am currently yes i've been in los angeles for four years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was gonna i'm going on four years um i've been script supervising non-union i haven't broken into union yet Mm -hmm. i blame i blame splitting my time between self-producing directing all that kind of stuff like that takes away from of course days on set yeah um Okay, I'm non-union script soup, and I'm also okay. I've got I've got uh, uh, three three micro-budgeted indie features under my belt mm-hmm. narratively, mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well, let's let's figure out for in order to take the next level up. Are my are my opportunities best leveraged in Los Angeles or? It's like Eddie, what just moved to move to New York, mm-hmm. and and there's more opportunity here to be around that next caliber of 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 people. Like it what's depends a, on what you want to do. Uh, and you want to direct. What do you want to do? Yeah, direct. You direct, want to direct. Dir- uh, yeah, we have very similar uh, life dream paths, but. What kind of projects do you want to direct? Like, it depends. Like, if you want to direct TV, probably you should stay in LA. You should probably be in LA. Okay. Because most, more, a lot of shows shoot uh, in LA. Or Atlanta. Move to Atlanta. You know, there's a lot and, of shows shooting in Atlanta. Okay. You need the so, Atlanta reps. So, so, okay, what do you what do you want to be directing? I want to direct movies, okay. for sure. So but this, this at is first, a- for money, I would direct TV, but there's enough TV for me to direct in New York okay. at this point in my career when I have representation, when I don't have to knock on doors, right? So I, I get into the room through my reps and then my work talks talks for my for myself, you know? And then I represent myself, of course, like a saying, like talking about the vision or like pitching stuff, some, some stuff. I'm a little further in my career in that regard is that I don't... It's not really about where I'm at. It's like what I do and what I bring to the table and they will just fly me over whatever, yeah. whatever I need to be, right? So you don't have to... Like now, I don't really have to be in New York even. I just like it. And like this is the best city in the world for me, um, in my opinion. I think it's very objective as well. So so I I just chose New York. It's a, it's, it's a choice, right? But if I would be you, I would probably still stay in LA... Because four years is not enough. And you just said, like, they took away from your... Even just building, like, union, for example, hours and days on set. As a script supervisor, um, in LA, it's not enough because you've been doing your stuff, which is I applaud you for. Good for you. You should do that. Like, you go for it and don't wait because you're a script supervisor. If there's, a, if there's people who are like... Why don't I make my first micro budget feature film? No, no, no. You should script suffice first, or you mm-hmm, should shoot mm-hmm. some stuff first, and then do that. You did simultaneously, and I believe whatever project you put put out is much better than anyone else's who is just a director, or just a producer, or just a DP. I it's fully true. believe that. It's true. I f- <laughs> it is, and it is true. I'm sure it's true. So um, I would stay in okay, LA right. and continue building on that on that whatever you already set. Like if you would right, be in LA right. for a year and be like, oh, I'm done with this with this depressive city, it's fine. But you're there for four years, might as well just like double down on it. Yeah, but I do agree. I'll, I mean, I feel like I've done a good job of like. Like you said, your bullshit meter oh. in LA just just goes off the charts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for like every interaction. Every interaction. 
I've done a good job of like sifting through like mm-hmm. you yeah you that that meter is important to have yeah it you you I mean you know there's enough people but yeah you can you can find you can find good people there, I know but. like a lot of happy east coasters in LA but they only stay surrounded by other east coasters okay. like so they bring the toughness and the like <laughs> the the no bullshit approach and then they to stick LA together, and yeah. they stay in good weather that's okay. it all right <laughs> okay well. I guess the only other thing I wanted to touch on, because we're pretty much out of time. Okay. We can talk. We can talk we much can talk longer, forever, but sure. but time time is a thing. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to congratulate you on your citizenship and reaching uh, <laughs> thank U.S. You. citizenship. Thank Congratulations you. on thank that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy to to pledge allegiance to the best <laughs> country in the world. I really mean it. Um, I have this. Uh, uh, immigrant experience and of course it was a journey on its own I came here eight years ago as a student on a scholarship then I had to prove my extraordinary ability for the artistic visa or whatever that was the thing on its own and getting a green card and now getting a citizenship after COVID and waiting and dreading it's like feeling like a second-class citizen all the way through my stay here um just because you know that's how immigration works in america and how everything else is tied up to it um but now i feel at home i've always felt at home here right and and this only highlights that and it's kind of like good kind of end to this chapter and moving on to other being able to leave the country and 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 you know travel yeah well, on the on the good passport and stuff like this for sure and like i feel very westernized always was and i'm happy that i found my place you know so i'm very grateful to finally be a citizen too because it actually means something to me you know i was not born into it i was not given that i actually earned that and i i cherish that every day it's amazing <laughs> and that i'm sure i don't know is that is there um because yeah like that process sounds kind of daunt like it's it must be freeing. Is it free? Like a like a weight off the shoulders it of like is. okay, like I don't have to worry about this anymore. Right. All the paperwork are done. I proved everything. Yes. I'm here now. Yes. And yes. now let's have the passport. Yeah. Travel. Not yes. Not dread. Not dreading that you're gonna be like sent out of the country or whatever. For sure, yeah. it's a big weight off my shoulders. But also, you know, I mean, um, I'm happy that. I wasn't born here and I'm able to bring a new perspective given my background, very mixed background, very like diverse background, being like born in Uzbekistan, going to Russia already. So I'm a twice twice an immigrant actually because I immigrated from Uzbekistan to Russia and from Russia to United States. So I have that, you know journey behind me and it actually makes you older and more cynical and more tired and all that stuff but i I, yeah i put it into work you know and more interesting yeah Yeah. more interesting bring gives you perspective and like uh, not not living in a bubble again like we talked about like not being all the only thing one like having one definition to yourself i have a lot a lot of stuff that i can lean back to or like pick up from and now i'm kind of like you know, interested in what it is to be an American citizen. I cannot wait to vote and do all that kind of stuff that you do as an American, you know. Uh, mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. celebrate 4th of July next year, <laughs> properly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dreading the end of the world and empire crumbling as well, I guess. Uh, yeah, we're there too. <laughs> it's all, all the above, right. all of the above. You get the good with the bad. 
Yes. Um, okay. Well, I don't know. Like I, yeah, I th- we're. I, th- I believe. I believe. I believe we're there. That's great. That's great. I, I feel. I, f- I feel like you have. It's uh, with good writing or good movies. You have to stop before you're actually done. So yeah. You, you, yeah. You happy to come back for what episode seventy five? It's gonna yeah, be we'll this is seventy four. Four is my se- number. I like seventy. Seventy four. Seventy four. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and then when I'm here next time, we'll for episode one thirteen or one fourteen <laughs> or something, we'll we'll hear no, about the latest. No, don't give yourself this much time. You know, you should <laughs> okay. come back in like three sooner. months. Sooner, okay, <laughs> all right, sooner. okay, come great. Back sooner. Sounds good. Okay, well, um, last, last, last question that I like to it's the the, the basic one for people that want to keep in touch and follow okay. you on your journey. Where do where do people well, it would be my Instagram probably. It's the best way to reach me is Instagram at Alia Azamat, A-L-I-A-A-Z-A-M-A-T. Uh, pretty simple. Um, I think Instagram is the best way and I post a lot and people say that I'm on top of my social media game. It's I dread it every time, but it's a good way to reach me and like see my work and uh, be exposed to like kind of my side of the world for sure, Instagram. Yeah, you do a pretty good job of engaging and stuff too right maybe i don't know maybe it's just other directions <laughs> no, cool all right well thank you so much yes. i'm so happy to to do this this was so much fun and uh, phoebe is uh, obviously enjoying it too and she made a cameo here and there i'm sure it's gonna be fun for people to see her yes i hope uh, so i'm happy we did that yes thanks again thank you okay all right bye everybody bye. <laughs>